you just uh, have a seat, and we're going to rip right in to um, some things. I, I've honestly just been wrestling with them so much this week, which is usually a really good sign. Um, because the more you wrestle with and you know, you, you can prepare a message, but the message has to prepare you. Uh, you can prepare a revelation to carry, but if you'll wrestle with it a little bit, it'll actually begin to prepare you. And that's exactly what I want to mobilize you to, uh, where you are walking in a greater awareness of the conversation the Lord is about to initiate. And out of the course of this next week, you're going to be wrestling with some of this. Um, it's going to be deeply challenging today and uh, greatly encouraging as well. So um, I want to talk to you about true treasure. You know, we walked through the month of October focusing in on the fear of the Lord, how that unlocks the treasure of the Lord. And then we're just going to step into a season of time here in November. Thanksgiving, we'll learn to be thankful. Gratitude is such a powerful attitude to possess that unlocks so much in our lives. And we'll get into some of those things this month. There'll be thank you cards that we'll have out uh, starting next week available for you to be able to just voice gratitude to people in your life. We want to mobilize you. Again, what are we trying to do? Not gather you in a room and preach you up. We want to commission you and send you out. And so we'll be talking more about that as we walk this out together. Uh, I want to encourage you. We've got a pretty big week ahead. Um, this is the week where we will elect the highest office of this nation in the earthly government that you and I are a part of. Uh, I want to just reiterate something that's very important for every person in this room to hear. We are family. We are unified. Um, you're you need to understand how important this is that we recognize our citizenship. How I many you know your citizenship is very important, but your citizenship in heaven is first. Your citizenship in heaven is your first priority. I don't care what your citizenship is on earth. Your citizenship in heaven comes first. That makes us a united family regardless of what's going on in our secondary citizenship. So cast your vote, but more importantly, declare your prayer. And tonight we're going to gather in this room and we're going to blow the roof off this place and we're going to declare the gates of hell will not prevail. At 6 o'clock tonight is worship and prayer and pressing in and praying for this land. We disagree right now. Come on, we hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands and a declaration that God will awaken an atmosphere that will truly push back the gates of hell in this land in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. So be here at 6 o'clock. If there's any way for you to make it, we will be online. I encourage you, if you can make it into the room, let's pray in the, and worship together. Um, and we'll focus in on a lot of that tonight. It's been quite a challenging week behind us, and um, as we're looking at true treasure, here's the thing that I want to kind of open up the idea with for all of us. Uh, what is true treasure? When you think of true treasure, what is true treasure? And I want to answer that question, uh, kind of build some ideas around that very important question, because it's a significant question. What really matters in this life? What's true treasure? What really matters? How many of you this last week, you decided, I figured out what really matters. Electricity really matters. Electricity really matters. I mean, uh, there are people who've had a lot worse than we have. Don't get me wrong. I know that. <clears throat> but we were four days, no electricity. We're on a well, no water, uh, no shower. Don't get too close. You want to make sure you steer clear. Uh, thankfully, we actually got our power back after four days. I know some of you are still without power, and so God bless you as you walk this journey out, and we've been trying to kind of 
connect and amazing stories of just ministry taking place. You know, Ed uh, and Magdalia, thank you so much. Ed shared at the very beginning, for those of you who were here at uh, 9.30 on our start, and uh, just talking about just how the church family comes together and makes it happen. That's what we do as the body of Christ. And um, there's so many wonderful stories about people joining together. There is a positive side to losing your power this week. How many of you did lose your power? Can I just see you raise your hand? Wow, that's a good number. As they said like 50% of all OG&E customers lost their power. So um, there's a good side. There's a flip side today. Anybody want to know what that is? There's a positive. If anybody in the room was considering converting their faith to become Amish, they're no longer doing that at all. You've been delivered. <laughs> we, uh, we were at, a, at the Dream Center in Springfield, and I was doing some ministry there, and the interns were there. Uh, there's an Amish community nearby, and this guy, the pastor, invited this, this guy to come and, and, uh, and bring his handcrafted wagon. I mean, it's beautiful, this coach he handcrafted and, and gave all of our interns a ride in his wagon. It's beautiful. And they got in there, and, and uh, the guy's pretty young, and they're having this conversation with him. His name's Goober, by the way, and when they, when they, when they got him in the, in the wagon to ride off, I said, there goes Goober, the Amish Uber. And so here they are, you know, with Goober, the Amish Uber, having this conversation. And they, he said, he's, again, he's a pretty young guy. And they said, so how many kids do you have? And he goes, 11. And they were like, whoa, 11. He goes, yep, we have no TV. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> so there is always a positive to find in every situation you may face. And well, let's just move on, okay? Let's just move on in to what the Lord's desiring. Uh, in your temporal situation, you have the capacity to discover an eternal point of view. It is so important. How many of you know if we just live in a temporal situation with a temporal point of view, we're so confined, limited, frustrated, disappointed, become despondent, can be depressed, live in dysfunction, but God designed us for more than that. I just sense him wanting to invite us into a deeper revelation of this so very much <clears throat> as we walk through this together today. Uh, we are created by God to experience life beyond this life. And this life can so captivate us and hold us hostage that we never really step into the understanding. True treasure, here it comes. Are you ready? It's gonna come up on the screen. It's an important statement for you. Great one for you to tweet out today. True treasure is discovered in things that have eternal value. You wanna know what true treasure is? Look for the things that actually have eternal value. You can't take it with you. Such an interesting statement, and from a temporal standpoint, it's absolutely true, but when we understand true riches are actually relationships, then we understand we actually can take it with us because riches are the people that we win to the Lord and take them into a space of eternity forever. So true treasure is discovered in the things that have eternal value. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46 the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Would you just say treasure? It's tie into the kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then here's a very important part of this, this parable that Jesus is declaring. 
in his joy, went and sold all he had. He gave up everything in this world for the eternal treasure of God's kingdom. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. There's a theme here that Jesus is revealing. Everything that he had was sold and bought it. Now, you and I actually can discover what it is to joyfully give up everything in this life to gain the treasure of God's kingdom for our lives. You and I can discover that joy, but we cannot live captivated by the temporal if we're going to learn to embrace the eternal. And if we remain captivated by the temporal, then we celebrate the wrong treasure in this life, and it brings us to very disappointing conclusions on so many levels. Um, you know, we have this temporal disposition or this temporal perspective. This is just the way we live in, in human terms. People on the planet, we tend to live from a temporal perspective in the pursuit of something more. So think about what I'm saying. Uh, I feel like the Lord's asking me just to kind of surgically, strategically initiate some of this conversation. So normally I'm ramped up and preaching and snorting and screaming, and maybe I'll do that today, but I've, I just feel the Lord just in the room right now having a conversation with us individually. Uh, and so I wanna make sure I'm giving you this information so that you're able to walk out of here reflecting on it. Make sure you're taking notes and writing down some of these things, because I, I feel this is such an important conversation God's desiring to have to take us in to the next season of the church. So once again, we tend to live with a temporal perspective in the pursuit of something more. But we need to learn to live with an eternal perspective in the pursuit of the heart of God. We tend to live in a temporal perspective in the pursuit of something more. But we must learn to live in an eternal perspective in the pursuit of the heart of God. And when we can figure that out and learn how to do that, then joyfully giving up everything that we have becomes just the way of life. Having the kingdom of God is so valuable. Possessing the treasure of God's kingdom is so valuable that you could joyfully give up everything in this life if you truly understood the value. You know, we all know what it is to go shopping and you're assessing the value of the item that you want to buy and the amount of money that it's going to cost you. And once you decide that the item's value is greater than what you possess, you're willing to exchange that readily to get whatever it is that you're after. But let's be clear, the kingdom of God is worth everything you could possibly have. We would give everything that we have to unlock this treasure in our lives. It's so vital that we understand not only is the kingdom of God, the treasure of God's kingdom, worth everything that we have in this life, it's even greater than life we have itself in this life. I am so curious uh, about this particular verse in the Hall of Fame of Faith. You know what the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter is in Scripture? Where is that found? Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And there's this verse, if you read on down near the end, I think it's like verse 32. It says, they were tortured and released, and they refused to be released 
because they were pursuing a greater glory. They were tortured. Stop torturing me, anything but this. They were released. Praise God, I'm free. I get to get out. And they didn't have any of those mindsets functioning in their heart because their temporal life was being impacted by the eternal disposition that God was wanting to transform the world. That's what it takes to transform the world around us, that you and I not walk with a mindset and an attitude like everybody else around walking through this world walks with, valuing the same things the world values, longing for the same things the world values. We'll talk about this more uh, in coming weeks, but you have to understand, Jesus is the way. How many of you know that's true? Jesus is the way. But we, in Christian world that we live in, we've reduced our theology to actually redefine that, where Jesus is the way to the stuff we really want. And if God really loves me, then God's really going to bless me. And in fact, if we're going to receive an offering, I'm going to have to convince you that God's going to bless you with more of what it is you really love before you're going to let it go so that we can receive an offering. That's just where we've come to in the world of the church that you and I live in today. But God is saying, Jesus isn't the way to the stuff you really love. Jesus is the way, period. He is who you really love, when you understand the treasure of eternity, come on, you move into a greater revelation of the love and the life of Christ It begins to transform everything about who you are. The pursuit of this life and the pursuit of eternal life are two very different paths that produce two very different rewards. I mean, if we could just get a glimpse of eternity and the recognition that there will be a day that you and I will step into a place of eternity and give an account for our whole life, I mean, not just an account as in we're going to be responsible for it, but an account as in we're going to be rewarded for it. Do you understand? There are great rewards that await those that give their lives in the temporal perspective to the eternal pursuit. God wants to reward us greatly throughout all eternity if we'll understand this important concept and really walking this out. Eternal purposes generating a sacrificial expression of this life. Eternal purposes generating. The eternal purposes of God generating a sacrificial expression of this life unlocks true life. You believe that? I'll give you a couple of analogies so you can you know, get a, a good fix on this, but it's a reality that we need to be able to embrace. The eternal purpose generating sacrificial expression of this life is what unlocks true life. That's why the example of Jesus is so important. That's why we look at what Jesus did for us as the model of what we should do for others. Because everything in this life that he gave up, how many of you know God rewarded and, and expanded the kingdom as a result? Here we are as a result. I mean, the, the kingdom of God just begins to make such maneuvers in all of this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Great verse of scripture, helping us see with clarity the example Jesus set before us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, how rich was Jesus? Pretty rich. Like, he didn't just have all the riches of this world. Like, he had all the riches, period, right? You understand? Though he was rich, like really rich, for your sake, he became poor. Have you ever seen um, the passion of the Christ? You know just how poor he became. Like, he was totally rich, he became totally poor on our behalf. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become, say it, rich rich true riches true treasure 
true treasure. See, the key, here, here's some illustrations to help us understand what I'm driving at and how important it is that we embrace the sacrificial mindset that's born from an eternal point of view that really unlocks the temporal life the way God designed us to live it. The key to great friendship is kindness at the expense of your own happiness. Think about what I'm saying. The key to great friendship is kindness at the expense of your own happiness from both people in the relationship. You know, I say often, there's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship. And there is nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. I mean, it's incredible when you really stop and think about what I'm saying and the way this functions in any relationship. This will revolutionize every marriage in the room. This will solve, I know this sounds like an oversimplification, but, but do you understand what I'm saying? This will solve every marriage problem that exists in the place. This will solve every family tension, every relational tension. If, if we will allow uh, kindness at the expense of our own happiness from everybody involved in the relationship, then we're actually giving consideration to each other. In other words, we're living from a different point of view, a different perspective that values something more than what we can understand in the temporal realm. See, God wants your life to be awesome. You remember that? Two years ago, I said this probably a thousand times in the course of the year. God wants your life to be awesome. How many of you believe God wants your life to be awesome? If you believe that, say amen. God really does want your life to be awesome. He can't, you might have and enjoy life, have it abundantly. He wants your life to be awesome. But that truth comes with a trick. And the trick is, God doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself he wants you to provide an awesome life for someone else, and that's what makes your life so awesome. See, God wants your life to be awesome, no question about it, but he wants your life to be awesome in the form of a river, not a reservoir. <laughs> he wants your life to be awesome in a way that you are actually purposing to give consideration to the needs of people around you. He wants you not to pursue an awesome life for yourself. I'm going to do everything I can to give myself an awesome life. No, he doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that in and of itself will unlock the kingdom treasure in your life. You'll begin to understand the value that comes from heaven in your heart, transforming everything about your disposition, and suddenly your temporal perspective begins to be shaped by your eternal point of view. It begins to change everything about the way you walk. See, we all should have two testimonies. Everybody in this room should have two testimonies. How many of you know the day you gave your life to Jesus, right? You gave your life to Jesus. I remember it so vividly, and that's the day that I gave my life to Jesus, and that was the day that I gained this incredible life from knowing him. But there are two testimonies we should all have, the life we gained by knowing Jesus and the life we gave by helping others know Jesus. There are two testimonies you should have in your life. And it should not just end, I came to know Christ. It should continue. I followed the sacrificial example of Jesus and allowed the eternal point of view that he introduced me to to begin to shape everything about the way I love, everything about the way I serve, everything about the way I give, everything about my marriage, everything about my friendships, everything about my workplace, everything about my neighborhood, everything about the way I walk, everything about the way people know me. The sacrificial love of Jesus Christ should shape everything about who we are. The number one killer in the world today 
It's always interesting. I'm, I'm in the middle right now of a, a finance class that I do with our seniors in our Christian school every year, an investment class, just curriculum that Tracy and I have worked on over the course of years and just help them understand some basics. And I usually will ask this question right up front. So what's the number one killer in the world? And, and as Americans, because we tend to be so cornered into our little piece of real estate in the world, we don't really understand. Contaminated water is the number one killer on this planet. Like when you walk by that water fountain out there, just give thanks to God that we live in the nation that we live in. Contaminated water is the number one killer on the planet. The United Nations did a publication, it was interesting because they, through their research, determined we can solve the problem of the number one killer in the world, contaminated water, for a mere $10 billion. $10 billion solves it. How many know that sounds like a lot of money? A lot of money, $10 billion. They, then the, the, the issue of, uh, of world hunger was another thing that the UN began to tackle and evaluate. And they said we could solve world hunger for $30 billion. So for $10 billion, we solved the number one killer. For $30 billion, we solved world hunger around the planet. That's $40 billion. Now that is a lot of money. Until we start realizing that in America, in one year alone, we spend $30 billion trying to lose weight when $30 billion would actually solve the world's hunger problem. How ironic is that? Our nation spends the same amount of money trying to lose unwanted pounds that it would take to feed starving children around the planet. That is just incredible irony. And I, I start thinking, what, what are we going, what kind of conversation are we going to have with the Lord one day? What is that going to look like in our lives? Just how sacrificial are we in allowing the eternal disposition of God to actually shape our point of view living in this temporal world? And so I, I looked into this a little further. Did you know that if North America alone, just North America, I'm not talking about anywhere else, just North America would tithe 10% of their income, Tithe means 10%. If they would just tithe 10% of their income for one year, then we would actually have $150 billion given into the kingdom. $150 billion would come into the kingdom. $10 billion would solve uh, the number one killer contaminated water. Then we would have $140 billion. $30 billion would solve world hunger. And then we would have $110 billion. What could we do with the remaining $110 billion? We could change the entire world in an incredible sense of structural dynamic that suddenly we, as the church, become the beacon God's called us to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen very carefully. A transformed world is just on the other side of the church's obedience in the world in which we live. It's beautiful, isn't it? To think about it, it's amazing. I wish I could control North America. I wish I could have influence in North America. What I can have influence in is our congregational family. And I want to call on you to give some serious consideration to what 2021 could possibly look like for us. You know, um, a recent conversation I had with Dana Davis, who spearheads one of the incredible ministries that God's entrusted to our care, 
uh, care portal, just ministering to some of the deepest needs in society. She actually has done these calculations as the director in this particular uh, region, whatever that looks like for her, her official position there. She's a part of our staff as a church, and also that is her uh, centerpiece uh, staff role for her career, her ministry career. Uh, but she shared with me that this year, this church, our church family, I want you to hear very loud and clear, 364 children have been ministered to very specifically, very strategically, with a $120,000 economic impact in our community, just out of this church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's significant. That's worthy of our celebrating Jesus. Don't do it yet. But that's worthy of our celebrating. Look what the Lord has done through our surrendered available. Just our willingness to say, Lord, would you just use us to take God's presence for real life into every realm of society, on every level of community. A church that sits in a community and is isolated to itself and has no expression of making a difference in the community is a travesty in the kingdom of God. And maybe you remember about a month ago, the meeting Pastor Chris and a few of our team had with our uh, chief of police, with uh, Child Protective Services, uh, and they're sitting with all these community figures and community leaders, and, and not our stat, it was their stat. They communicated to us, your church, that's you, I'm talking to you, your church is meeting 80% of the deepest needs in our community that these families, that people are, are just shuffled to the government. Listen carefully. If, as long as the government is trying to do the job God has commissioned the church to do, it'll never get done correctly. It's time for the church to rise up and take her place and transform society, ministering to the poor, caring for those in need, being powerful and strong in the sense of an expression of God's kingdom in the earth. I appreciate that applause to the Lord. Now, be faithful with your checkbook. I'm talking to you as your pastor. How much more could we do in this society? I thought about starting the pastor's Corvette fund. But I decided that's not true treasure. There's no eternal value. I could justify it a little bit, but I'm not going to start that fun. I, I, I promise you our objective as a family is to take everything that God places in our hands and hold it just like this. Lord, make us a river. Deliver us from trying to ever be a reservoir. Help us to be a river. And I mean, what would happen if everyone in this church consistently started tithing at the same time. Like there are different spots and different seasons, different people, different situations. What if everybody just started faithfully, consistently tithing? How much social transformation would take place when we started looking at all the resource we have. I don't know if you understand or not, but what I'm saying is, if North America tithe, the transformed world is on the other side of obedience. If Destiny Christian Center tithe, a transformed community beyond our wildest imagination is just on the other side of our obedience. Are we willing to do this today, guys? Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. 
and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God wants to bless our lives so that we will be a blessing. Not so that we will be blessed, but so that we will be a blessing because that is being blessed because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Therefore, God wants to bless you so that you will be a blessing, so that you will experience what it is to truly be blessed, so that you will be more of a blessing, so that you see the perpetual cycle, this vicious cycle of the blessing of God. Be careful, because if you get in the vicious cycle of the blessing of God, it's going to transform everything about your life and the people around you. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Pastor, Pastor Lawrence, really, are you saying you want me to give a steady percentage of my income to the church so that we can more effectively see transformation taking place in our community and more and more people discover the eternal nature of God revealed in Jesus Christ? Is that really what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Unashamedly, without any question, Tracy and I have been married for 30 years and we have never not tithed and we are so richly blessed as a result and we only plan to continue to richly be a blessing in amazing and wonderful ways all over the world. How about We plan to spend all eternity meeting and enjoying people who wouldn't be in heaven had it not been for our willingness to live a sacrificial life while we're in this world walking in a temporal perspective with an eternal point of view shaping everything about the way we are walking this out. Giving will not diminish your life. Giving will enrich your life. I don't know if you've noticed this sign up on the, above the giving stations in the back that it says giving enriches us, it doesn't diminish us. See, because North America is so fat, wealthy, well, more than that way too, but anyway, moving on. Uh, because North America is so wealthy, then what, what we experience in our lives, because we want, if God will just do this, then I'll do that. That's not the way it works. You don't tell fire, give me heat, then I'll give you wood. You don't tell the bank, give me interest, and then I'll give you an investment. And you don't tell God, I'm going to violate all the principles that you set into motion. They're actually born out of the eternal principles of God. Give me more, and then I'll practice giving. You've got to be faithful with a little before you're given much. And so as you start to walk this out, you realize in North America, here we are, we're like saturated sponges. And you can't take in more until you squeeze something out, and then you're ready to take in more. But, but there's some of us in the room that are trying to figure out how to make it work because we're trying to pay bills. So we're saturated sponges, and we've not really learned how to squeeze it out. And listen, I want you to know I understand this is not easy. I learned this principle when I was in college, and I came to the resolve that there's no way I can afford it. If I tithe, I can't pay my bills. And in fact, if I didn't tithe, I couldn't pay my bills. <laughs> I was in a very difficult spot. And it was in that moment that I read the Bible that said, test me in this and see if I'll not transform everything about your finances. And I was like, Lord, I'm kind of backed in the corner here. I don't think I have any choice. I'm gonna have to put this to the test. It's the only place I found a scripture where God says he could, we can test him in it. And so I put it to the test and something crazy began to happen in my life. I had literally, I, I, it's not always gonna happen this way. I'm not telling you that this, this is the way you get the stuff you really want. What I'm saying is you get the stuff you really want if you really 
Give yourself to the kingdom of God, but God will never leave you begging for bread or out destitute, not knowing how he's going to take care of you. I had people for the first time in my life, it never happened to me before, and, and people come up and actually hand me wads of cash when I would go to church. I would just be like, somebody was a guest that was visiting the church where I was going to be interning, and they came up and they said, we don't really know why, but we just feel a draw to you as if you're our own son, and we just want to bless you, and I was just like, oh. That was fun. I mean, it was like everything started shifting in my life. I started to begin to understand. The, the reason I'm talking to you about this, you're going to see if you would grab one of these blessed to be a blessing cards. I'm not going to get this from you. This is for you. But it's in the seat back in front of you. So if you grab that, blessed to be a blessing. It's for you to take as a reminder. God's blessed you to be a blessing. You know, we've done different things this time of year. We try and make projections for the coming year budget. And we've asked people, you know, will you turn in pledges of what you see? You know, just what you think your giving will be for next year. Just the more we get around that and the more we sense what God's doing, the less we're really interested in kind of walking in that direction. And the more I just want to say, folks, can we just become mature disciples who are willing to walk out responsibly our faith before the Lord our God? So what I want to ask you to do is take this and you can, uh, you see there's a giving commitment and a serving commitment. And this is for you. This is for you to keep in your Bible as a reminder after you take some time to pray, after you take some time to evaluate what's this supposed to look like in 2021. I'm believing God for the kingdom of God to expand as a result of my deeper sense of maturity and who he's called me to be as a man of God, as a woman of God, whatever the case may be in your life. But I want you to keep this as your reminder that you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And tonight I want to explain how you walk that out with a little greater clarity. But I want to ask you this week, your action point, if the worship team will go ahead and come, your action point this week is purpose to bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society, on every level of community. And here's how you do it. Tonight you'll have this. It's, it's in the lobby if you want to pick one up, but we didn't want to give too many pieces of print. Uh, tonight's going to be the focus as we come back to worship. It's just a simple acronym of the word BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, -S. B, begin with prayer. Start your day and just begin to pray. Lord, what do you want to say about today? Start this tomorrow, it'll be beautiful. L, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit, but also listen to the people in conversation around you. Don't just buzz through your day. Take the time to be a good listener to the needs that exist in the people around you. E. Eat. How many of you like to eat? Can I just see? Amen, I like to eat. Eat with somebody. Don't just go get coffee by yourself. Go coffee with somebody. Get people to a table. That's the idea of eat. So begin with prayer. Listen and eat. Get with somebody. S, serve. Look for ways to serve. Don't get angry because somebody didn't clean the coffee station at your office. Clean the coffee station at your office as a ministry under the Lord. What a novel idea that is for Christians. Right? So funny, Jerry uh, was sharing with me, I'll get to the last S in a moment, but he was sharing a whole team of his neighbors came together with all their equipment to clean up uh, all the wreckage of the trees from the ice storm, and, and they got to one of the neighbor's house, and hopefully that neighbor's watching online right now, wouldn't that be great? Uh, and so got to the neighbor's house, and they realized that the guy, you know, 
put limbs out, but they were really long. You're supposed to keep them, you know, 10 feet or less. And, um, and so Jerry goes up, and, and because his crew looks like, I mean, they're full of all kinds of power tools and trucks and everything, it looks like they're like the county team that's come out. And he goes up and knocks on the door and says, hey, you know, you left your limbs long. Uh, we want to get those, but they need to be 10 feet. And the guy just looked at Jerry, and he said, isn't that what we pay you for? <laughs> Not knowing they were a group of neighbors volunteering. And so, I mean, I just thought it was great, though, just such a heart to serve the community with the tools that he has. Uh, Aria, Arian, uh, she is a single mom with us. And when all this happened, she actually reached out to me on Facebook and she said, what are we doing as a church to help those in need? Single mom, lost her power. What are we doing to help those? And I just thought it was great. And I responded to several of the things that I knew were taking place within the church family in many directions. And, um, and she organized herself, single mom, lost power. She organized herself, people with chainsaws to help the elderly and those with special needs in the community around her that she would know. Just pay attention. Okay, so serve, that's what that S is. And then finally, story, S is story. Just share the story of Jesus. How many of you, Jesus has changed your life? And he's changed my life. <laughs> How many of you, Jesus, have changed your life? Would you just surrender to the greater reality of his love right now? Lord, you are wonderful. Come on, let's just stand together. You were rich beyond our comprehension of any idea of rich. And you sacrificed it all to walk on this planet and become poor. To become poor in this life to the point of giving your own life. Bleeding every drop of blood out of your body. Taking your last breath, hanging on that cross. In a declaration, it is finished. Suddenly, everything began. The kingdom of God came alive in the earth. An army of the Lord, the sons and daughters of God, suddenly had an avenue through a, a veil that was torn and the most holy place was made available for us to step into, that we begin to find our place in following the example of Jesus Christ, to see a trail of saved souls behind us and transformed society as a result of the mobilized, inspired, empowered, equipped body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that this week you would help us to understand what it is to live loving, sacrificial, generous lives. We would find a place, a posture of responsiveness to you in obedience, even in worshiping with our giving, consistently with our tithe, to see your kingdom expand. Forgive us, Lord, for justifying why we have uh, not been obedient to your word. Help us, Lord, to move past that and grow into a greater place of maturity, a deeper walk with you truly exploring and experiencing the generous nature of God. In the name of Jesus, thank you that you're the Savior of the world, that without you we're lost. You came to redeem all humanity and every one of us in the room. We need you as our rescuer, not just as our Savior, but as our Lord every day that we live. We acknowledge what you did on the cross. And we give you thanks for your life, for your love.
We give you thanks, Lord. Come on, just voice your love and appreciation, your thankfulness to the Lord in your own words, in your own way. Just begin to give thanks. Lord, you're just so good to us. You are so good to us. We want to grow in an understanding of the love and the life of Jesus. You are so faithful, Lord God. We honor you today. None of us have this all figured out. We are all on a journey just trying to find our way. But Jesus is the one that we look to to help us find our way. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done through our surrendered, available lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.